You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad you are joining us for a very special new shorts series. I decided to keep the shorts going for a little while longer at least because we have more work to do together on subtypes. And instead of talking about all the subtypes in one episode, I wanted to make sure that we focused on type by type. So we're starting in this brief episode talking about the three instinctual subtypes of type one. So I hope you will make sure to grab our deep dive guide if you want to hear about other aspects of the ones or make sure you listen to our full episodes on ones. Know that this episode today is going to talk about how we can grow in our instinctual layers. And our instincts usually are deep brain issues. Some people call them lower brain issues. And they are seated almost, if you could be visual with it for a second, lower than emotional centers of the brain so that a person who's not doing their work intentionally is just going to react out of this no matter what. But you're listening to this podcast Feel free to take notes. So I wanted to say to you guys, one thing that in one struggle with is anger. But at the beginning, a lot of ones don't really say that they're angry. They just say, I may be overworked, exhausted, tired of my spouse not keeping up with me or my family or my boss. But it's hard for them to admit anger because they see anger as a bad emotion. So right away, I want you to take a deep breath when I say ones are angry, usually deep down, but they're dealing with so many different feelings of that that's bad or wrong. So it is just a human emotion. It is a God-given emotion if you're a person of faith and just really understand that that is baseline understanding about a one is that they do struggle and it's hard to admit it. So sometimes it grows bigger because they don't even feel they have an outlet. But the three subtypes of ones all differ a bit with their anger. And you've probably heard, if you've ever read The Complete Enneagram with B. Chestnut, a little bit about the subtypes, but I'm going to go into depth on the subtypes in marriage. And I've adapted what I've learned from the couples I've worked with and interviewed, along with the things I've learned about subtypes from others, and I've given them three different names. I'm going to be going, as I do all the types this way, from self-preserving too sexual, too social. And the reason I'm doing that is I love for you guys to have that rhythm with me of working on baseline, putting the oxygen mask on, getting self-care, then working in your small one-to-one or family relationships, and then you can give better to the collective. And all of those we call in this Enneagram and Marriage terminology, your Enneagram glow, when you're shining brightly out there individually and collectively in the world. So just to give you that baseline from me, we're going to start with the self-preserve observing one. And I call that one as a relationship descriptor warmth because they still have anger, 
but it's something that, as Beatrice Chestnut explains, they use reaction formation, which really is their defense mechanism to make people feel like they're not angry by being sweet and kind. And their spouses don't often know that the anger is still there because the self-preserving one is feeling anxious. It's coming across as more anxiety. And some people even think the self-preserving one is very six-like, but they're a one because of the anger that's really leading them of why am I the one who's having to take care of us in all of these different ways. And there's a sense of OCD and perfectionism, whether you're thinking of that clinically or just in a familiar sense, there's a desire to a constant fixing and nagging. And that is something that's very important to the self-preserving one to notice about themselves and to be aware of. Now, the good news is self-preserving ones are aware of this and they're very good about apologizing and also owning it, which is great because they're not struggling with an arrogancy about it, but it still plagues them. And so I want them and their spouse to be able to work on this together by making sure that they don't bypass some of the other growth processes that will help them. And since we're talking instincts, I'll give a couple of those tips as well as another. And um, you'll see some commonalities with the other types too here, but we don't want the self-preserving one to do a social bypass. We don't want them to do a sexual bypass and we don't want them to do a spiritual bypass. We don't want them to do any of those bypassing by just kind of digging in their heels and saying, I'll fix more. I have to have this compulsion that it has to be perfect because this is just the way things get done and have always gotten done in my life. Instead, they could take a lingering quiet time or a relaxing time taking a hot bath or really allowing themselves to linger after a meal before cleaning up and just taking some deep breaths. And especially in marriage, to be able to say, you know, the to-do list will never get done. It really won't. I'll probably, if I'm lucky enough, have one till the moment I die. So I'm going to just go out anyway, even though it's not all done and allow myself some grace. And that may take, because the self-condemning can be high for anyone where they say, I have to do this, even if it's just a compulsion and not an active berating, it still takes a bit of self-soothing and it takes a reminder from their spouse to let go. And it also takes the spouse to say, this is kind of this shadow is coming onto our family and our marriage so that the self-preserving one has added impetus. If you just say, this isn't good for you, they might say, I've adapted. I know how to do this. But if you say the shadow is creeping in over all of us, it helps them to be able to say, okay, you know, I am sorry about it and I don't want it to continue as much. So what do I need to do? And they can look at different spaces. Some of it is just us being humans and knowing that we're not perfect and we're going to have certain things we make mistakes on. That's going to be a very important piece. And then for the social one, is it's making sure that they understand that the social arrogancy and the coolness, I call that one cool. I don't use the word cold because I do believe there is some warmth to a social one and more than some people realize when they're in their seven. But I also really notice about social ones and a married to one, that sometimes they really don't always understand what it takes to balance into the family or their own self-care because they're so busy being the leader in groups. And that's very attractive to them. And even when they're not the leader, respecting another leader in a group. So the group orientation is like all the subtype instincts, sort of relentless and 
natural. And it takes a lot of courage to rise up above it and to say, you know, I don't have to be awesome in a group and to shine. I really want to bring it home and be real. And the the three who's also social really relates to this too, but it's just very important for them to to know that they are beloved even if they're at rest at home and not making anybody proud out there in the world. But it's especially nice in marriage to make their spouse proud that they knew how to rest well and take care of them. And that's something they can start to take pride in in a new way as they mature and become protective over their clan, not just the wider clan. It doesn't mean, like I said, for self-preserving one, that they'll ever stop caring socially, nor should they. And I think that's a good should. It is helpful and good to care for others in society. But I also think that the social one has to learn that that is done much better when they have taken care of themselves and their spouse and their children. The social one has to watch out for the bypassing of self-care and potentially spiritual. And that can be tricky because they're like, but I'm spiritually mature. But often they might not be having the relationship with God, but more just projecting out strength, projecting out leadership. But they need to have that time themselves to contemplate and to consider. And then, of course, it could be the one-to-one where they don't even stop to improve them and their spouse, but they're just so busy on improving others that they forget that. And that very much differs per social one. So you'll have to assess for you guys. And so now we move on to the sexual one, which I call fire. And that's because the sexual one is loud and proud about their anger and is often confused with an eight. But what they really have similar to eights is they have an anger, but it's not about being vulnerable. They'll be vulnerable, but they really, really like to make sure that their spouse is changed. So whereas the one that is social is always thinking about how to change everybody socially, the sexual one is a bit more concerned with how do I dominate the spouse? How do I make them fit into what I see as the right thing? And because they're a one, they still do have a very strong what is right behavior. So it's very important for them to be able to notice this about themselves and to take several deep breaths regularly every single day to come down from the heightened energy tirades that they go on And really just start to actually look at the gratitudes. I know a sexual one who wakes up every morning and starts with gratitudes because she knows that that's going to really help her in her life is to start with that ritual and it creates something better. And and with this one, you want to make sure that they don't do the spiritual bypass because they're expecting everything to come from that union that they're thinking, if I can just get my spouse to do what I need, then everything in my world will be perfect when really that's usually going to come from, I said, self-preserving and of course social, but especially spiritual because they really do focus on that fusing and that union. So now that you have an awareness of what you might be missing as a one, and spoiler alert for all the future episodes with us all, that when we're at this instinctual level, like I mentioned at the beginning, we could really miss our emotional processing. Remember to take time for that, whether it's in therapy or that you have an extended quiet time with God or you are doing both or with your spouse. I just want to make sure that you are taking time to walk through noticing this about yourself 
and really allowing yourself to find balance. And we're all going to do that a little bit differently. So keep me posted on what you're doing to really work yourself out of a tizzy if you're a self-pres one or to work yourself out of social arrogancy if you're a social one or to work yourself out of that fiery temper if you're the sexual one. And we'll be doing this with all the types because it's little by little, step by step. I'm so proud of you for attempting to make life changes that will affect all of your legacy, whether friends, family, coworkers, future generations, you're blessing other people. But I hope you also know that I really care about you. So make sure that you are doing this work because it's valuable to you and you being angry all the time doesn't feel good. So I want you to understand that so that you can move on and really trust God with open hands to planning your day out the best. So make sure that you grab our deep dive guide on the one if you want a lot more growth or listen to those episodes. And I hope you have a great day and thank you for doing this work for you and your people. It is making a huge difference. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.